I want to tell you that I've enjoyed this series so much, doing all the good we can, by all the means we can, in all the ways we can, in all the places we can, at all the times we can, all the people we can, as long as ever we can. It has just opened up my eyes in so many ways. And I've read and reread that phrase so many times over the last few weeks. But this week it hit me differently. Because I began to see that the admonition to do all the good we can using every means, ways, place, and time really came down to one focus. And it's people. People. That's what this is really about. Doing as much good as we can for people, which is precisely what our Lord Christ did. And I know that people desperately need goodness. A number of years ago, I received this prayer request from an anonymous person. They wrote, I can barely forgive myself. How can God forgive me? Yet, somehow I believe he does. Too much pain. You know, when you get a prayer request like that, it's anonymous from somebody in the church. It just gets your heart. Who is this? You want to reach out. You're not sure who to reach out to, but you certainly can hear their pain. It's a terrible place for someone to be, and you don't want them to be there alone. Maybe you felt that way. Perhaps you see yourself there now, but here was a person, and sometimes we're that person, but a person who did not feel good about their life, the choices they had made, or even about themselves. In which case, the call to do all the good we can becomes even more important. Because we who follow Jesus Christ, we're the conveyors of hope, of mercy, of transformation, restoration. We're the conveyors of love, God's love. We are called to do good. And of course, we know from reading scripture what good looks like. It's all those great characteristics that are expressed in the fruit of the Spirit in the characteristics of what Jesus called us to be. We've spent several weeks now talking about doing all the good we can, but let's remember that the focus really comes down to doing good for people. Having said that, I want to say thank you. Thank you for doing good things for countless thousands of people. We had a survey that was sent to us this week regarding a pledge It is a pledge that comes from a family-established foundation, and they needed to know how many people we had helped, how many people we had served, and and we just gave up. How do you count, not just here in the church, but they wanted to know worldwide how many we had served? It got into the thousands, the tens of thousands, as we started counting, and after a while, we just lost count. That's actually a good thing. When you lose track, because there are so many... That's a good thing. What if we could say, oh, that's easy, you know, 50 people. Well, that's not where we are. Paul wrote to the church in Philippi saying, do nothing from selfish ambition or empty conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interest of others. So I've learned this about this church. There are many interests, many needs that we need to look out for. And you are very deeply committed to doing that. There's been a lot in the news lately, especially in church uh, circles, news cir- circles for churches, 
that a lot of churches are under criticism for being too inwardly directed, too self-serving, that the money they raise is first and foremost for themselves. But we have worked so hard to become a church that is more and more outwardly directed. John and I were having a conversation about that Friday morning, and we were talking about how during the Great Recession, you remember that, that we made a a critical move. We decided to be more generous, more outwardly focused, to do more for others and spend less on ourselves. And that has come in many, many ways. Not everything is obvious to you, but let me tell you about a few ways that I think are just exemplary, but only scratch the surface. Exemplary ways of being that outwardly directed church. Years ago, I sat with one of our members, Barney Barnett. You know the Barnett family from Publix. We were talking about his wife, Carol, who had just gotten a diagnosis of early-onset dementia. It was a tough time. But Barney said something that was very important. He said, we are fortunate, meaning his family, fortunate to have the resources to deal with this. But I know that many do not. I know it's hard for families, and I want to help. That got my attention, and we began that dialogue. That family did end up helping. Barney and his sons, Wesley and Nick, established the Barnett Family Alzheimer's Ministry through this church. This ministry has provided in-home health care for many families who need help with a loved one who is facing dementia. It's a remarkable gift. Some of you here this morning know what I'm talking about because you've been the beneficiaries of that, your family. It is a remarkable gift, as one person put it. It is a gift of immeasurable good for our family. We would have been devastated without it. But what I loved about that is the help did not stop with grants for home health care. The Barnett family also helped with the initial funding for our memory care ministry. See, an idea to help people facing a tough time in their lives, a ministry of our church, grew into something even bigger. It allowed us to have Vicki Bittner come on board, our memory ministry coordinator, to provide resources, support, weekly gatherings for person with dementia, along with incredible support for caregivers. And many of you have shared with me what a difference this has made at a tough time for your family. More good than you can imagine has been conveyed to families struggling with a loved one facing dementia, but the support of this ministry, including Vicki's salary, is now part of our budget. It's part of what you're committing to today, and you may not be aware of that. The need to do good is always before us. Andy will tell you that calls come into our office daily, people needing help. Not everybody who calls is forthright. Some are, quite frankly, beyond our help. But there are many, many that are legitimate. And, of course, we're glad to help. The reason we can help them, that is to do good, is because of you, your generosity. Mary called. She needed assistance. Her utility bill, she told us, was coming due. They were going to cut it off. They would gotten the notice. She was $100 short. And she and her two children, ages seven and three, were just about to be without power. She had recently been laid off from her job, and she was struggling. 
And so we helped her. And as I know, you would want us to. And her lights stayed on. She found a job, got back on her feet. We were that bridge to get her there. Got a call from Emily. Emily is a veteran. She had been without work some time and was waiting for her VA benefits to begin. Her utilities had already been cut off when she contacted us. She was $175 short, but we were able to help her to get her utilities turned back on. And then we got the call from Valentina. She needed help with rent. She and her husband and three children had found that Hurricane Ian had put them out of work for over a week. Now, for many people, you might have resources to fall back on if you can't work for a week, but these are hourly workers whose bosses said, we've got too much damage, we've got to shut it down, don't come to work. For them, it was about 10 days, and it was devastating because their family lived paycheck to paycheck. They were self-sufficient until that happened. And the landlord had said, pay or get out, and it threatened to begin that eviction process. They needed $250, and of course we helped. Then I got a call from Sam. Sam is 83 years old. He could not afford the copay for his insulin. He had been using only half as much insulin as he should so he could stretch it. Now, if you know anything about insulin, that is not a good thing to do. But Sam was doing the best he could, and somebody said, call the church. And, of course, we helped Sam. We were able to pay for his insulin and then, importantly, connect him with ongoing support on all his medicines so he didn't find himself in that place again. Eighty-three years old, cannot pay for a critical medicine. Now, I tell you those four stories, which only scratch the surface of what we've been doing in the last 30 days. That's just an example of 30 days of helping. And all of this we did, I want you to know, because of your generosity. Because we believe in doing good, all the good we can, for all the people we can. There are those that you've helped through the packing of meals for children. Children who live with food insecurity. You know about Kids Pack. But because of your generosity, we continue to help packing nearly a 1,000 meals each month. I got a call just two weeks ago. Can we help a few more children? Of course, I said. We'll do that. Thank you for being generous so we could say yes. You have provided food resources for our neighborhood ministry families. I was talking to Angela, our receptionist in the office, and she said, these people are incredibly generous. It just keeps coming and coming. We have enough for Thanksgiving. We're going to be able to help with Christmas. People are donating cards to help with those those perishable food items that they'll need to purchase. She was just overwhelmed by the generosity. And I said, that's this church. Thank you for doing good for people whose names you don't even know, but you love and you care about. And then just this week, because of your generosity, we've committed to supporting a group of orphans with Zoe in Chennai, India. Most of you have no idea where Chennai is, but look it up. C-H-E, excuse me, C-H-A-N-N-I-A-I. We're helping them, 50 children in Chennai, to find a future of hope. 
And rather than me telling you about it, I want you to see this video. It's not long, but it tells you a little bit about what we're investing investing in at Chennai. Watch this. Follow me. I'd like to show you something about us. Here in India, we are Rachel, Shakima, Amu, Lakshman, Revati, Akash. Millions of orphans and vulnerable children facing isolation, abuse, hopelessness, facing life's toughest struggles. Anyone can see we need help. But Zoe saw how we could help ourselves. We start small with a rabbit, a stove, a net. A needle and thread. But look what we've grown. We want to help you to see that this is what empowerment looks like. This is my dream house. One person cannot do it alone. But together, we create a movement that starts when someone like you believes in us. We are smart, loved, educated providers. We are business owners. We are leaders. We are strong. Together, this is how we help millions after us leave extreme poverty behind forever and never need charity again. Do you see that together we are Zoe? Can you imagine? These are orphans who have no hope. But Zoe brings them together in family groups and helps them with things like a needle and thread, a net, as you saw, to not only make it, but to be self-sufficient and to thrive. They become productive citizens in their community instead of that struggle and that need that's on the street constantly. Thank you for your generosity, but remember, you're not just in India, but you're also in Kenya, supporting a group of 100 orphans there. Your generosity is remarkable. We are committed to doing all the good we can for all the people we can, and sometimes good begins right here in our own backyard. On Tuesday of this week, I received a text from our director of missions, Forrest White. Here's what he wrote, and I quote exactly. I'm up in South Carolina on my way to North Carolina. He was going up to visit his mother. Forrest continued, just got a call from the Salvation Army about an emergency shelter need for a father and two sons, ages three and five. They're sleeping in a truck. Can I have Kayla call you and see if we can contribute anything? She says that they have depleted their funds. 
Kayla says no other shelter in Polk County will take children. I believe they will be working on a more permanent solution, but she says they're booked right now. So I responded, as I know you would want me to, this is a tough one, have Kayla call me. So Forrest texted back, she's going to call you soon, but first she's making some food for this family. Kayla is an employee of the Salvation Army, and this is very personal to her because she was once a homeless person, a mother with a child. Salvation Army took her into the shelter. She called me a few minutes later, uh, now being an employee of Salvation Army, of having gotten beyond those days of poverty. She told me about the situation. It actually was a father and a mother and those two young children, as I said, three and five, sleeping in a truck. But the reason they were sleeping in a truck is because their home, their apartment, had been flooded by the hurricane. They were one of those where the waters rose up and just devastated their place, their residence. And so they had been out searching for work, trying to rebuild their lives. Again, a family that lived paycheck to paycheck. Kayla explained that their family shelter was full. That's not unusual. You will hear just every community in Florida right now is facing unparalleled uh, numbers, record numbers of homeless persons. And you know why. With these hurricanes, so many people have been displaced and are now beginning to migrate into other communities to find help. It's a real situation. This family uh, had looked and looked and looked and were just desperate. But the shelter at Salvation Army was full, and they have a way of helping. That is, until the shelter opens up, they'll put them in a motel for a week, five days, three days, whatever the time is. But they have an allotment each month of money they can help with. And they had depleted the November allotment within about 10 days. Again, that's happening everywhere. All our shelters are facing that. I told Kayla that we would cover the hotel cost, that we would provide additional funds to help a few more families who would need help before November was over. I texted Forrest, Kayla and I have a good plan. And Forrest responded, awesome. Kayla is one of the best. But then a little bit later came this text. Kayla just called me, crying tears of joy. They'd gotten the family into a motel. They have a plan to get them in the shelter and to get them back on their feet. That's right here in our backyard. I want to say thank you for your trust, for your generosity that allows us to help. These are people we care about. We don't even know their names. We just know the need. You know, Paul, in writing to the church in Thessalonica, reminds us, therefore, encourage one another, build each other up, as indeed you are doing. You are an encouraging congregation, a generous congregation, and we're blessed to serve and to give with you. So I mentioned last week, you have extended that generosity to folks affected by the hurricane this year. You've sent an amazing array of supplies, food, You've had teams that have gone out and helped, and then you've given about $60,000 in recovery support. On Friday, I received a note written by Reverend Debbie Allen. Debbie is the district superintendent of the Southwest District of the Florida Conference of the United Methodist Church. 
Debbie wrote this note to you and asked that I share it with you. Thank you so much for your generous donation to FLUMC, Florida United Methodist Church, Hurricane Ian Relief Fund. Here in the Southwest District, 50 of our 75 churches experienced damage of some kind. Four of our clergy lost their parsonages or personal homes. Several clergy lost multiple vehicles to flooding. Gifts to the Relief Fund are helping clergy with losses, churches with funds for deductibles, and grants for churches to reach out to impacted communities with great need. Thank you for your generosity. We are grateful for the strength of our United Methodist Church connection. Debbie Allen, Superintendent. You did good. Thank you for that. And folks, you know there's more to share. When I was writing this sermon, I thought, I can't get it all in. But I wanted to give you a sample. These wonderful, heartwarming stories are all true and all recent. But at some point, it's time to stop telling stories. Time to stop talking about it. And then for each of us to decide about our commitment to this wonderful ministry in 2023. And this is the time. We have never just done this anonymously where we say, mail in your pledge card or stick it in the offering plate. We have all physically, visibly shown our support. For 16 years, I've stood down here with you saying thank you when you bring that support. And I want to invite you now to think about your gift and to bring it, to make that commitment. But please don't just write a number. Pray about it. Because there's going to be others who are sleeping in a truck, who are orphaned on the streets, Kenya and India, who are going to be wondering if they can afford that insulin. There's going to be so many needs. And what I know about you is we will be here to do all the good we can for all the people we can. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this amazing generosity of this church. Yes, we pay for utilities. We have nice buildings, and we're grateful for that. We have wonderful staff, and we're grateful to be able to support their salaries and living expenses. But most of all, Lord, we're grateful to be able to do all the good we can for all the people we can, your people. I pray, Lord, that you will give an increase to these blessings that you will strengthen, you will multiply these gifts, and that we will continue to live with integrity and trust, that we will do what you have called us to do again and again and again. I pray this with the strength and power of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. The struggle with writing a sermon like that, there's too much material. I mean, there literally is. There are so many good stories. And I know we don't share them with you often enough, but thank you for the opportunity to remind you that we are deeply, deeply committed to doing all the good we can in all the ways and times and places, to all the people we can, using every means to do all the good we can every time we can. It doesn't matter what order you put it in. It just comes down to doing good. Thank you for being that congregation. So during this Thanksgiving season, offer that praise, that thanksgiving to God for the opportunity, the ability to work together as the body of Christ. Some of you will give smaller amounts. That's the best you're able to do right now. Some will give larger amounts. 
But it all adds up together to do a remarkable thing. Thank you for that. Have a blessed Thanksgiving as you go in peace and love. Amen.